1: Sport city, sport city, Shep. Shep. Sport city, sport city, chefs, Shep. Chef. Sport city, sport city, Shep. Chef, chefs, Sport city, sport city. Yes, Lord, we got a brand new president. Joe Biden, we riding. I pray you heaven sent. Word from the wise, my people stay ahead of. Come on. I've been relevant, trying to survive the elements. It ain't no love in these streets, these dudes telling it. Case goes from cold to hot.
2: The kit. I uh, 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 took off the blazer, loosened up the ties, stepped aside the kitchen. Timeless is alive. And, boy, they ended that song with the word Connecticut. But we will get into this show as best as possible. The caller number is nine two nine four seven seven two seven five nine. We got you locked and loaded for a good amount of time in this building. You could have been anywhere else in the world, but you are here with the chefs. Please let us get a word from the sponsor. We'll be right back.
1: This portion of our program is brought to you by PHI Apparel Company. PHI Apparel Company provides unique designs and high-quality clothing for the great fans of the Philadelphia area. With their original designs for all, there's no doubt that they'll stand out in the crowd. Act Now and listeners can use the promo code CHEFS for 15% off any apparel when you shop online at PHIapparel.co. That's PHI Apparel. Dot Remember to use the promo code chefs for 15% off. Act now while supplies last.
2: Shout out to my brother Barry Jordan and the Jordan family still getting through these hard times. Believe me, I'm going to give you a little moment of silence. You at least five seconds, moment of silence, to get into this show. Yeah, I was just hanging out with the Jordan family last night. <clears throat> Had a pretty electric time last night watching everything from the fight to the games, everything that went down. But I don't want to spill too much of it. I got my co with me. Calling from the Midwest region of the United States of America. We have Mr. Harvey in the building. Mike, welcome to the brunch. How are you feeling this morning?
0: Man, I'm doing good. March is madness as always, maybe even more so than in the past as we're going to get into. But it's always a pleasure and a privilege to chop it up with you, my brother. And good morning
2: that is for sure um there is a lot of stuff to jump into and for all of the people out there in the sport world i have to say this the month of march is coming to an end and um with me saying that everything that's happened from march 1st to right now uh on march twenty sixth is not disappointed i must say i don't even i don't even want to do that right now i'm gonna do this the best way i can i'm gonna get into the order first and get into the meat and potato of the best of the show okay so first and foremost I know a lot of people aren't into the uh, boxing world a lot, but the boxing world still has a good fan base. However, this is one of the the major fights of the uh, year, even though we're off to the early portion of the season, uh, being March. But Caleb Plant was going up against David Benavidez in a uh, championship bout. Um, and this, this fight did not disappoint Um david benavidez ends up winning the fight but early portions of the fight caleb plant had control momentum and knew how to kind of neutralize what benavidez was going to do in the fight and um he you know he wrapped him up when benavidez was trying to get started that is a tactic in boxing that people use but it should just be used to a certain extent um caleb plant was definitely in a situation where benavidez was the stronger fighter and he at at one point he's going to have to let him let his hands go and Kenny Bayless was actually, and this is the referee, Kenny Bayless, he was actually letting a lot of the stuff go. But if he was letting the, the holding go, then David Benavidez did the right thing, was actually trying to fight his way out. So he's throwing all type of blows to get loose, and it's actually making Caleb Plant pay for it. So this was a good fight early. Once the middle round came around, and it was like he couldn't do too much more, you know, just movement, moving around the ring and staying away from Benavidez where he had to fight. Benavidez punches started to take a toll on Caleb Plant and uh, basically put Caleb Plant in a bad situation in in the later rounds. Not only did he slow down, but his face started to deal with damage. He started swelling and getting cuts also. But this was an epic fight. Uh, David Benavidez clearly won the fight late. Uh, It it went to the judges. But uh, all three of the judges gave the fight to uh, Benavidez. But nevertheless, I don't want to totally pile on Caleb Caleb Plant because I do like him. He's a good fighter. Um, I thought this would be a threat for Benavidez because he just knocked out Darrell. They both beat um, Andre Durrell, the boxer. But <clears throat> the one thing about Caleb is he knocked him out clean, and that was the knockout of the year so far uh, when he knocked him out. So I was like, there could be potential that if he catches Benavidez, he can probably knock him out. But in the 12th round, he threw a major hook at Benavidez and then rocked Benavidez really bad. <laughs> and it was like, could the tables turn after everything that's happened from his side of the fence? going to Benavidez side of the fence, going back to Caleb's favor. Epic fight. Um, Mike, your thoughts on this battle between Caleb Plant, David Benavidez, and uh, moving forward, what
0: they have? Well, you know, I I thought Benavidez would probably come out as a skilled fighter, but, you know, Caleb Plant's always ready. I knew he would kind of have a game plan, and you also know, know that he has some power in those hands. So, you know, that's the one thing about boxing, one good shot. Uh, you could be losing the fight, but one good shot and it's over. So uh, I was excited to see them slug it out. As you said, it did not disappoint. Um, you know, Benavidez moves forward, take on another challenger. And, you know, listen, Caleb Plant is is still solid. He didn't win this fight, but he's, uh, he's still a solid fighter and he's a problem. And if you're working your way up, like he's one of those guys that you're going to have to deal with before you ever really get into contention. Uh, You know, I I don't know. You know, he may challenge again at some point. I don't know if he, you know, will be consistently in a championship discussion, but if he's not, he's going to be a hell of a gatekeeper for that weight class. Uh, Both really good fighters. And, you know, my heart wanted wanted Plant to win because I know that, you know, he's a guy you like and you and I talked about him. Multiple times, but I thought Benavidez would find a way to uh, to get to get this one to eke it out, and he did. It was, uh, but it was definitely a, an action-packed fight, and it was worth the time to watch it. And so, if you haven't, uh, you know, it's not going to be long before you can catch it up on replay somewhere. It's worth the watch.
2: Well, actually, to, to correct you, I like both of them. Here's the why, here's the reason why. Uh, Caleb Plant had to make his name from being a kid out of Tennessee, and if you see how he grew up, it's, he basically grew up in a trailer park area, went from trailer park to trailer park, how bad he grew up, and his fighting style got him to where he is living well in Las Vegas, so on and so forth. If you watch the story, it's on YouTube. It's crazy uh, what he went through And he lost a daughter. He has another daughter now, but just, just knowing what he went through to get to where he is right now to make a name for himself, and the loss that he suffered was to Canelo. However, David Benavidez, I know Jose Benavidez, his brother, well, Jose Benavidez Jr., <clears throat> um, and he's also in the new movie Creed Three. So it, it just stunned me because I was around him in Vegas, and, you know, just knowing Jose and then watching Jose go through his success, winning the championship belt, he lost it to Terrence Crawford, but um, knowing that, that's his little brother. and His little brother's on top of the world, too. It's like I kind of – not like a full end, but I know them. So it's like I want to see them be successful because, you know, once you know a family, it's like it's cool – to see them be successful. So it's like, and, and knowing that they both went through their fair share of talk of junk to each other. So it's like, you want to see how this fight goes down. So it's like, really, I really didn't have any favorites in this situation. It have been great to see Caleb pull this off because of all that he's been through. And what he promised his, his daughter that passed away, Aaliyah saying that he promised her that he would be a world champion. And he won a belt, brought it back to her, but he definitely wanted the WBC to beat Benavidez and couldn't win it. So he couldn't bring it back to her. But, here's the interesting thing about everything at well before the fight they said whoever wins the fight gets an automatic fight with canelo so now because canelo has a uh a belt in his division also benavidez and canelo should be the setup fight however there is with one of the charlo brothers in his division as well so there are some heavy names that uh benavidez can go up against but hopefully he gets that canelo fight canelo can no longer run anymore especially after the loss that he suffered Uh, to Baval. It depends on if he could actually redeem himself up against David Benavides and David Benavides hasn't lost. The only time he loses is when he's hurting himself and, and it's outside of the ring and things that he does personally, if he could fight those demons and continue to fight the way he is. And he actually was in better shape this time because he knew he's dealing with a, a quick agile boxer in Caleb plant. If he's ready for the type of fight that Canelo could bring to him. And if he can defeat Canelo, would be major for him, and he's young, like Canelo's in his 30s, and we remember Canelo being a young guy, uh, beasting everybody around. Now it's David Benavidez, the monster, (laughs) the young guy, looking for him right now. So it'll be very entertaining to see this fight go down. Um, But knowing everybody was in the building uh, in Vegas, that's the one thing about Vegas. You are going to bump into every celebrity known to man out there. And um, all of the fighters were out, including uh, Floyd and (laughs) Javante Davis, got into a little something, Uh, after the fight also, but this incredible moment, incredible atmosphere in Las Vegas. Uh, Mike, anything else that you would like to discuss before we get away from at least the boxing talk right now?
0: No, but I do do hope we get to see it, and I look forward to seeing Benavidez Canelo because, uh, like you said, with Canelo kind of maybe being on the backside of his career and having something to prove, uh, this could be a, a big, big opportunity for Benavidez to take a huge, huge step, another huge step forward in his career. So I hope we get to see that.
2: Because if he beats Canelo, I think the fight behind that would be Charlo. So, and I know right. it wouldn't be good for him to fight three times in a year, but I'm, I'm thinking since it's March now, I think him and Canelo would probably end up fighting by like July, September maybe around that range if they could set yeah. that up because them will go three, four Canelo months. Canelo
0: likes that September fight. Uh, he, he right. Was like he it, so I can see that.
2: Well, right. That's what I'm trying to set up around that time right there. And then if Charlo is still, you know, out there being a, available and and not losing, that could be December or early 2024. So it's already looking like an interesting year in the box world, at least in their division right now. Um, middleweight, I mean, excuse me, welterweight is still one of the best. We're still waiting on seeing what Earl Spence and Crawford are going to end up doing, especially with uh, the lighter weight guys with Lomachenko and Devontae Davis, like I mentioned, has having a little spat with Floyd and so on and so forth. So this, this is bringing boxing back. Boxing is back. Huh? Hopefully these big names keep going at it. They've been ducking each other for too long, trying to stay as you know undefeated as possible, if that's a phrase that I could use. But that excitement is back. Um, I don't know if people were watching everything that was happening in the octagon yesterday, but uh, Corey, uh, Sand Hagen actually won his bout in a main event last night up against Vera winning this bout by uh, a decision, split decision, excuse me. But the, the one that interests me the most in this one was the Holly Holm fight. Knowing that I'm the same age as Holly Holm, Holly Holm was 41. She was fighting a, a young lady that's in her early 30s and she she beat the crap out of this girl and ended up winning this game, uh, winning the fight, excuse me, <clears throat> And uh in clear form, but the one thing I'm worried about with Holly is does she continue to fight? Um, and she she did a great job. She won <laughs> clearly. Um, had had the ground and pound game working for her, but it's like um, a girl of her stature, as well as she you know put together, so on and so forth. How much more damage is she willing to take in her career if she's going to hang it up soon? That's the one thing that I'm worried about her thinking about because she is 41. I don't know if she turns 42 this year. But uh, how long does this go? Um, Mike, your thoughts on at least some of the fights that happened in MMA that you'd like to discuss.
0: No, of course, Senegan's tough. I'm not surprised he got that win. I'm not surprised it was a split decision either. That was a tough opponent. Uh, you know, home, you know, she stopped Ronda Rousey. She's had her ups and downs. Uh, but to see her get another win, uh, you know, and not on her career split is nice. Like you said, I don't know how many – top-notch fight she really has left, but uh, if she's fighting, regardless of how it comes out, uh, she's worth watching because she's going to always bring it.
2: That is for sure. Well, we, we'll see how that does end up panning out, but um, like I said, especially her being in women's MMA, we haven't really seen or heard of women fighters go this far you know, into the tooth of uh, fighting, so we will see as time goes on. Hopefully she can get a good fight again and Try to get back to the belt, but um, we'll see. We'll see. I know I was definitely watching four screens at the doggone sport bar. I didn't know what to do with myself because it was complete pandemonium last night. Okay. um, I kind of want to save the best for last. <laughs> I'm trying my best to try and dodge it, but I want to get to it so bad. Okay. So, in the NBA, I want to ask you a question, Mike. I'm going to start this one as best as I can because I'm saving the best for last. They were saying that Jokic is a – Potential three-time MVP winning back-to-back-to-back. And this was actually in the past couple of weeks they were saying that, right? Then Embiid started to go crazy. So now it's Embiid and Jokic kind of, you know, going neck-and-neck. And And Embiid is actually kind of passing Jokic in what he's doing right now on the floor and having Philly go on a major run in the Eastern Conference. I want you to think about those two men, and Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid, right, and everything that they've done in this season. And then I want you to look at Giannis Antetokounmpo and look at what he's doing with Milwaukee and his stats at this point. His record is better. And all across the board, every stat except assists for Jokic. Jokic has them in assists, but he has more points per game, more rebounds, and I think even blocks than both of them. And his record is better. And it's like, why is Giannis Not in this conversation. Or if he is, he's third. He's third because it goes either Jokic or Embiid, however they have it, and then he's third. And it's like, why, where, or how? I mean, is it because he injured his hand? Like, what are your thoughts? If if you want to pull up the stats, you can. But your thoughts on at least those three guys, you can also squeeze Tatum, and I think Tatum's in the top
0: four also. So, yeah, I mean, maybe missing a little time hurts him, but, you know, that's that's been something that Embiid's had to fight. Uh, you know, I still go back to the fact that this is a media-driven award, right? So the fact that Jokic won it a couple times, uh, they may claim to have a little Jokic fatigue, but at the same time, you're not necessarily feeling that way with Jokic. Um, is it because he looks a lot more like a lot of you sports writers that are making these votes? Uh, that's my first question. And then listen, looking at what Embiid has done and what Philly has been able to do on this run. Uh, I definitely put him ahead of Jokic right now, but I just think, you know, I, I think whichever one of those teams comes out of the East, if either one of them end up with the best record in the East, I think, Especially considering that this is a regular season award, I think should give either one of those guys a leg up. You know, winning the Western Conference is, you know, going to help Jokic and and uh, Denver. But but I agree with you. I, I don't think that you can. I, I don't think you can have an MVP discussion without bringing up Giannis and Uh Just because, you know, I I think he's in there, and I and I think I, I agree with you on Tatum being probably fourth. You know, he – when he's good, he's really, really good. Um, You know, some people try to claim that that Jalen Brown's the better option on that team. Um, I I think it depends on the night. But I think the the three that you just mentioned clearly uh, separate themselves from from the others. But to me, if I'm voting right now, I probably – I'm waiting to see how the regular season shakes out cuz I want to see who wins the Eastern Conference. But I'll probably go with uh whichever one of those wins the East uh because it's a those teams that are locked into a battle. Now if Boston wins that completely blows up my whole discussion, but uh I go with whichever one of those wins the East and then uh probably between Anthony Kumpo and Embiid, the other one's second, Jokic third. I don't think either of them are bad options. I just think, once again, media driven, and uh, I'm. You can't argue with the skill that is Jokic, but he's—is he really doing anything this year that makes him stand out more so than his last two seasons? I, you know, I feel like it's pretty consistent. It's about the same, and I feel like Embiid's taking a step forward and. You know, Giannis, under a lot of expectations, has put this on his back. And uh, people, I guess, may be spoiled by his greatness with the fact that he's won it before. But uh, I, don't, if you're not going to hold it against Jokic, you shouldn't hold it against Giannis.
2: And see, this is the tough part, because I do like that you threw that out there, that uh,
0: Giannis has won
2: the title before, too. And knowing that Jokic is on a back-to-back situation, looking like the back-to-back-to-back is in effect with Larry Bird being the last one to pull that off in the mid-'80s. But before him, that's all people really remember is Larry Bird. But Bill Russell and Wilt Chamberlain also have done it also. But they're the ones that are forgotten. With more or less Bird being able to do it, and now Jokic is the most notable one this late in the game. But Jokic has kind of been in cruise control lately, and Denver has actually been losing games also too. So that's what makes this conversation even more intriguing. Is like not only is his play kind of slowed down – I don't want to say gotten worse, but kind of, I just say so now, because they're losing games, games that they shouldn't lose. And uh, Philly's gotten better, and Milwaukee's still strong. Like, they have not fell off course at all. So this is what makes it that much more intriguing. And if Boston does get into the conversation, like you said, because there's only 10 to 8 games left in the season, if Boston can make that run to be on top of the Eastern Conference, it's like these voters have their hands full, and they just can't hand it over to Jokic. But it would be interesting if they did give it to Jokic, especially with all of the guys around them, making a run i wonder what it would take for mb to get this award because mb is doing everything that he can and he can't be stopped it's just the play of philly altogether. if they can actually play as a cohesive unit on a night-by-night basis it would be different but they'll lose games that you're like how did philly let this game go and then come out and bludgeon somebody to death but they've been they went on that eight or nine game winning streak and uh you know got tripped up however this is uh a make-it-or-bust season for Doc Rivers. So I I know that this is probably the importance that the Sixers are playing with to try and save the life of Doc Rivers. Well, his coaching life, like not to save his life. But, you know, I think that this is a season where the Sixers have to, at worst, get to the Eastern Conference and do well. Like they have to get to the Eastern Conference final. And, like, if they lose, lose in game six or game seven, they can't get swept or they can't lose in the first or second round. They'll end up getting rid of them because there's too many – tries that he's had with a, a good unit that he's fallen short on every team that he's coached, except the Celtics, where he got the championship up there in Boston. So um, to me, I really think it's a finals, but I'm saying worst case situation, like like trying to save face for him. But Doc Rivers, especially with the run that they're on, with Harden healthy, Embiid uh, healthy, and, and the rest of the role players doing their thing on the Sixers, this is an incredible run for them to try and get far, especially while Embiid is actually having this type of season again where him and Jokic were at the top of the conversation last year, and they handed it to Jokic by the way Jokic finished out the season. So this was an interesting discussion that I did want to have and see how you felt about it because one of my friends that I was with last night was showing me the numbers, and I was looking at it. I was like, I never really paid attention to it because I thought it was just Jokic and Embiid, the way that these two have been playing, but then he put all of their stats side by side by side. I was like, Giannis has both of them beat. like – Easily. So it it was incredible for me to see, and I definitely wanted to discuss it here today and see how you felt about it. Um, Your thoughts on the Western Conference, how this thing is going down before we get to the Eastern Conference and get to the ticket thing, because, boy, I cannot wait to start eating in this kitchen.
0: Well, you know, the interesting thing in the Western Conference, and we keep talking about it, but, like, as of Thursday, and I haven't looked at the standards yet this morning, but I will, um, but 4 through 12 were only three games separating them, So you you could easily be – Home court in the first round or in the two spots on the outside looking in. And there was only three games separating. And the interesting thing is with Paul George going down, missing the rest of the season, and now all of a sudden a team that hasn't really been heard from and has been really disappointing, you look up and <laughs> the Pelicans have won four in a row now. Uh, if they can continue to shoot the lights out from three-point range, Brandon Ingram had a triple-double. Yesterday they went into L.A. and put it on the Clippers, so now they've suddenly won four in a row and they're tied with the Lakers and for seventh. Uh, once again, I, I said this the last couple of weeks: if you can go on a streak and win three, four in a row, you have a chance to kind of separate yourself and and get off that proverbial bubble. But the the line is still so razor thin. Uh, the Lakers pulled out one. On uh, Friday night, that Lakers-Thunder game was uh, super close. The Lakers got up real big. Thunder came back, pushed them. Uh, it was really close. Uh, now the Lakers have a back-to-back, I think, with Chicago, NLA tonight, and then going to the Windy City uh, into Chi-Town this week and play the, the second half of that. So, uh, you know, these are, these are must-get games for all these teams that are right, you know, locked in there everybody's everybody's so close and you know one bad week and you can play yourself out or one good week and maybe you can move up and uh improve your scene but everybody's just so locked in th- there together that's what's so that's what's so fascinating about this whole thing to me is I don't remember a season where I mean I remember like four through seven being close or maybe six through ten or you know what I mean? Like, they're being a game or two. But looking at this, like I said, four through 12, that was nine teams separated by three games. It's just crazy to think, you know, how close everybody's packed in. And like I said, I, I just don't remember a season where so many teams were packed so closely uh, in the standings. And like I said, you, you can very easily miss the playoffs in this. So, it, you know, it's definitely worth watching keep an eye on the Western Conference and see where these teams are. And, you know, a good indication by by the scoreboard the next few nights will tell you sort of uh, what kind of chances these guys have because this really is sort of uh, make or break. And, and every game just carries that much more importance with it because everybody's so packed in there.
2: You are not lying. The Friday game when the Thunder lost to the Lakers, um, they fell to 11. They did not play at all Friday, Saturday or yesterday. And with them being out of play, they didn't play yesterday, with the Pelicans winning that game, they get to 10th place. So it was already in my head, I was like, the Thunder may missed the opportunity to at least be in the play. And I thought they were strong enough to get to the 60 where they were when they were at 7th. And they lost two games out of the last three and fell that far. And it's like, this is how damn packed this thing is. Um Hopefully the Thunder could get a win on the road. Well, they had one in the first game when they played the Clippers. Today they play the Blazers. It would be interesting enough to see them pull that off in Portland. They've done a good job up against Portland, but Portland could definitely play spoiler at this point in time, trying to save themselves as they are sitting at 13th, basically on the outside looking in. If they lose another game or two, they probably be eliminated from contention. So they're basically a, a rabbit raccoon at this point in time and could be dangerous at any given moment. So this is something that I am concerned about. But I'm going to make this a special moment for everybody in Sports City. I hope you guys are ready. So Mr. Harvey, are you there? I'm here. I would like to apologize to you right now, live on air. I'm saying I'm sorry. Do you want to know why? I'm listening me and you had gotten into an argument or debate or discussion, however we want to talk about it, about Kyrie Irving. And, unfortunately, this thing is all falling apart in Dallas. Dallas is now at the 11th seed in the Western Conference, tied with Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City has a tiebreaker because they've won the games against them. So many different ways I could go with this going on in Dallas, but I'm going to save the best for last in this situation. First and foremost, Luke, and before I get into the sports city, I'm going to ask for you to bear with me, and I apologize before I say it, but this is what the quote-unquote marks have been said by these individuals. First and foremost, Lucas said he is no longer having fun playing basketball for the Dallas Mavericks. They are still near, at least they playing. They fell out. They are at 11th seed, and he's not having fun. He's supposed to be one of the faces of the league. At the beginning of the season, he was the preseason MVP favorite. He's out of that talk right now. Then – Jason Kidd, after their latest loss, comes out and said, our play is dog shit, dog crap. Well, he really said dog shit. And please, that's why I asked for forgiveness, Sports City, because this is what he said, right? And I'm like, well, if Luke is not having fun, Jason Kidd is feeling a certain way. And then during the game that they lost at home, the fans of Dallas started booing the Mavericks out there. So it's a mess in the middle of Dallas right now. And then Kyrie comes out, and this is when people fall off from Kyrie. Now, mind you, they were just week a week or two ago they beat the Lakers at the buzzer, and um the guy that hit the buzzer beater said Kyrie's an awesome teammate. I love him because he found them late. Kyrie found him late for the shot that he puts up, he hits the shot, and wins the game and Now Kyrie comes out in a statement after they just got booed and lost the game. He said, "Hey, if they're booing us, why don't they come out here and play for us then Why don't we trade spots It's like This is when people get mad at Kyrie when he was all happy and ready to go and leave Brooklyn. He gets to Dallas. It looked okay. They had a good game or so. Then him and Luca get together. It's not working. You have two ball-dominant guards that need the ball, and now they're trying to be passive, trying to see who can get going first. And it's kind of like they want to – you go and then I go. You go and then I go. It's like I don't know if that's going to work. And Jason Kidd thought it would probably be an easy filling. It's not looking like that. Dallas could potentially miss the playoffs altogether, but the one thing that's hurting Dallas to me is they don't have a solid big at all. As much as I want to hear Dwight Powell do good because of my last name, things of that nature, they don't have a big that can get stops, can score. Dwight Powell will be in the game and get, get you maybe five to seven rebounds, but he's scoring like three, six, or eight points. If he's getting you double-digit scoring like 11 or 12, you're like, we're going to win because he doesn't really give him the scoring output even though he has potential to shoot it, he can jump high as heck, he can dunk, so on and so forth. He just doesn't get the touches to score the ball because it's more or less the guards up top or how they pass, kick, pass, kick, and they're looking for a jump shot outside. Dallas is definitely a prevalent three-point shooting team. They all want to shoot three. Kyrie, to uh Tim Hardaway Jr., name somebody that can let it go. They're going to sit out top of the key or sit in the corner and try to shoot three. They're not trying to score in the paint unless it's a fast break or – they get a screen and roll and set something up at the rim. That's all I'm really seeing. But again, I, I do want to start that one off with the apology. Your thoughts on the Dallas Mavericks, because we did not get to it before I get away from it.
0: I thought that if anybody could figure it out, it would be Jason Kidd. Being a point guard, really understand the position and how like offenses need to function. And Kyrie has played off the ball at some different stages in his career too. Uh, but I, I did question I did question the move only because, to me, there were a couple of teams that really could use a legit point guard and not try to see how you can shave this square peg down to fit in a round hole, right? And so you got two guys, like you said, that are ball dominant. They haven't figured out a way to sometimes move off the ball and try to lighten each other's lows and a way to be cohesive. Uh, like I said, I, I thought that kid would be the guy to help them figure that out. Uh, now I'm not so sure. It's just kind of, uh, you know, the, the best way I can, the word that I can think of just to kind of describe it, it just seems like a very volatile situation. And it could really blow up in their face. And it's that because there's a ton of talent on this team. But I agree with you about the lack of a big man. I mean, Christian Wood has some skill and can score a little bit but he is a liability on the defensive end, right? And so you don't really have a rim protector that can also give you points. And so, you know, they – unfortunately, if you're winning and you're playing well, you can cover up a lot of those weaknesses or they don't really come out. But once you start struggling and and sort of underachieving as a team, then every little – every little blunder, every little weakness gets magnified. And I just think that's a spot where Dallas is in. And like we talked about with all these other teams in the West, they better figure it out real quick because you don't have a whole lot of time. And I'm not sure that playing 500 the rest of the way out is going to get you in.
2: You literally kind of beat me to the point. I'll for you to finish so I can say it. I don't think Dallas is making it to the play-in. As much turmoil is going on right now, knowing that every team in the Western Conference is fighting tooth and nail to make it in at least the play-in, forget just to make it to the top six. Because Golden State is still there, but Golden State don't look like they're going to fall out of that. I think Golden State is definitely going to make you earn the Western Conference as best as possible, but they can't win on the road. I mean, they finally won the game on the road, but it was like against a a team that I couldn't really give them credit for them winning that game on the road. But every game has to be played at the end of the day. But I feel like Golden State is still going to do enough to get into the playoffs. You're going to have to earn and beat them. In California, one way or another. But um, from where they are, they're at the 11th seed. Like I said, they're tied with the Thunder. The Jazz are right behind them. The Pelicans are getting warm, and Zion is supposed to be coming back. So if Zion comes back and he's interesting enough to give them that bump, I feel like everybody's Potential increases. The question mark I have is around Oklahoma City. Can they play consistent enough? Because it's games that they can play stellar. They always want to play from behind and steal the lead, and that's I, I don't feel like that's effective basketball. That's my question mark around Mark Dagnall, and it bothers me that they put so much of the onus into the lap of Shea. And Shea uh, Shea she has help around him, but I feel like they're trying to make this a one man show and wait till next year to win check comes and they're kind of at full capacity. But right now the Thunder are playing decent ball, but they're under 500 in the discussion at the Tennessee. That's the only team I feel like they can catch, especially with the, the question marks that are around them. Minnesota with them losing Anthony uh, Edwards at the point in time, but Cats come back. Cats started lighting the rim up too. So it, it's a very effective run after how the postseason is going to pan out in the Western Conference. This is something to watch. I'm telling you from <laughs> four down, you don't know what's going to happen, including with Kevin Durant when he comes back. And the Suns are going up and down, too, losing games that they shouldn't be losing, too. So it'll be interesting. But I think the way that Dallas is playing, people see how vulnerable they are, especially in the paint. I don't think Dallas gets to the postseason. And, I mean, they may miss the play-in. They may miss the play-in. Okay. If they do,
0: Kyrie's
2: they, not back. Oh, you know, I I think even no matter how the season pans out, I think Dallas is not keeping them there. If they make the play in or make the playoff not I don't, I don't, Kyrie's gone. Kyrie is gone. He's he yeah, going he to have can... to find a team that he can mess with. I, for him to make that statement and, and you know in that, that Dallas area do not play with any of that media circus and players thinking they're bigger than the organization, look at all of the Cowboys that have tried to pull that stun and talk junk, and, and they'll get rid of you as soon as you start talking junk. Picture the Mavericks and knowing Mark Cuban is a good guy at all else, and you basically trying to bury his team with the fans that actually is paying all of y'all, you know? So I don't know if they keep them there, especially with them fighting right now. They they need a big, I don't know what big they can get in there to come there and work. What DeMarcus Cousins, do they find Boogie somewhere and get him there? I don't know. And, they, and this is an older Boogie. This isn't the Boogie that we've seen in Sacramento. Like they, I, I don't know what they did by bringing in a whole bunch of different bigs from JaVale McGee. That didn't work. And you got Christian Wood and Christian Wood is supposed to be the scorer. He's not working out. It's turmoil in Dallas, and, of course, they're never getting rid of Luka. Luka will be a main staple to that team, how Dirk Nowitzki was. But <clears throat> the, the potential for them to not make the playoffs, I think, is there. They're going to have to go on some epic out of it. Let's just say they got – okay, let me look at the record right now. They're 36-38, and 38, so that's 74 games played. They have eight games left. <clears throat> if they can go 6-2, and two, they can make the playoffs. Yeah, if they go worse than 4-4, like you said, 500, I, I think they miss it. I think they miss it. It's going to be that tough in the West if they if they don't get things going, and, and they can't figure it out right now on the fly. So I think Dallas is in some turmoil right now. Okay. Um, anything else before I get away from this? Because um, this is a very good topic, but I, I can't hide it any longer. I can't. Like,
0: no, nah, I mean – Listen, the the Pelicans, Trey Murphy, shot the lights out, out last night. Uh, Brandon Ingram appears to be rounding back into shape. Um, those guys need to continue to mesh. Herb Jones really harassed Ka- uh, Kawhi last night. So um, if he continues to bring it on the defensive end, this team may be rounding into shape just in time. They did enough work early to put them in a position where they could survive the the lull, but that – Like you said, if Zion comes back, too, and can make any kind of impact, that could make it real, real interesting. But that's a team that has a lot of talent on it. It would just be interesting to see um, how it shakes out. And, you know, the Lakers are keeping their head above water uh, without LeBron James. Anthony Davis is actually playing at a a pretty high level right now. Um, And so, like I said, watch for these games against Chicago because they have to have them both if they, you know, really want to push – to try to get out of that play-in and even, you know, hopefully even solidify themselves in that play-in. But these are games they got to have, too. But everybody's packed in there so tight together. uh, Without even knowing a whole lot about it, you could just watch the scoreboards over the next uh, week and a half, and and you'll know who's going to make it. (laughs) Interesting enough, you brought up something that I did overlook
2: and I need to pay attention to it, is the state of the Clippers. With them losing that game to the Pelicans, they are still in the top six right now uh for the playoff table. However Paul George did get hurt in the Thunder game, uh the first game of the doubleheader that they had. Um how they survived without him is another thing. The one thing about the Clippers is I thought that they would be a strong team suited to win the West. This is before Russell Westbrook got there. What Russell Westbrook got there and it was like, okay, let's see if they can survive the storm and they play up and down. So it's like they need to build some consistency somewhere, and especially with Paul George being out for a good amount of time due to the hyperextension, what would happen to them, especially if they do fall out of the top six, which I think the potential may be there, they may end up falling into the play-in once again. And this hasn't really been the team that we thought that we've seen when they brought Kawhi and Paul George together and moving so many picks to OKC, so on and so forth. This, this Clipper team is a mess, to be honest.
0: Yeah, and like you said, it, you know, so much is relying on the health of those two individuals, and they necessarily have they haven't really been able to stay healthy. You know, the the news came back about as good as you could hope for Paul George, and that there's no structural uh, damage in the knee, so there's a possibility they could have him back in the postseason. But you don't take care of business, uh, and you end up in that play-in. You know, you end up nine ten, you're one loss away uh, from being out. You end up in that seven eight game, two losses, right? So, I mean, you you still gotta you, you got to find a way to get it done. If they can get there and have them healthy, it'll be interesting to see. You know, they they could be a problem for somebody, but it, it just doesn't look like uh, it doesn't look like they have their house in order right now. But that being said, they've taken care of the. The Lakers the last I don't know seventy five times they played them or something or at least it seems like so um, you know we'll see as the regular season you know winds down uh, what they can do but uh, you know it, it it'd be interesting to see because you know once again we could we could get to the quarterfinal or you know to the the eight the the Western Conference final, uh, playoffs after the play ins and you know we might have no L.A. teams at all in there.
2: That would be interesting enough that you say like that. I never really thought about that. It can happen. Wow. I wasn't thinking about that. Both of the L.A. teams missing it, especially with the injuries that they're having to deal with. And the guard play, I think they play better with Highland and Mann than having Russell Westbrook on the floor. But Russell Westbrook is the Agreed. more notable star that they have him out there on the floor. So this is, what the Clippers are going to have to deal with and seeing if Russ could provide some defensive stops other than what he does on the offensive end of the ball and maybe getting scores and, you know, setting people up, getting assists. But the Clippers are in just much, as, you know, disarray as much as the Lakers are. If they both missed the playoffs and they both were interested enough, like with the piece that they have around them, other than the Lakers with LeBron being out, it, it'd be tough where a lot of people thought that at least the Battle of LA was a thing. Maybe the Battle of the Lake had happened in a play-in. Picture that happening. That would be incredible to see if they could end up landing like that, just how crazy the situation was. If everything was on the line, somebody get bumped and miss the playoffs, it would be crazy, especially with that the Clippers have on the Lakers. The Lakers have not beaten the Clippers in over two years. So um, this would be damaging on either side of that locker room. So I want to see how that goes down. Okay, for City, I've been dodging this far too long. And um it's something about this month of March. It's almost sports Christmas to me because how everything goes down from college basketball being king, the NBA season like we're talking about, everybody fighting for positioning to get into the playoffs. Hockey starts to come around and fighting for playoffs as well. I I just don't know what to say. And baseball's coming up too and baseball's be here in a week. <laughs> this week baseball's coming. So so everybody get ready. March March is Definitely not disappointed. I'm going to say this here and now before I get into the of things. This has been the best in my over four decades of living tournament I've ever seen in my life. This is the best ever tournament ever. I've never seen this in my life. We had another 16 seed be the one. No one seed that made made it. Nobody's scared of a one seed anymore. They don't care who you think you are. If you're overall, if you, you got an NBA star on your team that's supposed to leave college and go – Nobody cares about that. Throw the ball up in the air and let's go to war. That, that This is basketball. Like Curtis Blow said in the mid-early 80s, basketball is my favorite sport. I echo that forever, no matter what. You don't know what's going to happen. It could be somebody out of nowhere to take your head off, and it's like, wait, where did they come from now? The parity is all across the board that you can't sleep on anybody anymore. I wish I was a coach so I could be like, Listen, don't you take them light because they from a mid-major or don't take them light because they from the Mac or don't take them light because they from small school in Florida. They can beat you. They won over 30 semi-games, only lost three games. This is is incredible, the way that basketball is going down right now, and I love it. I love it, especially the emotion around all of these teams. and You know, the thrill of victory, the agony of defeat from a song called Triumph by Wu-Tang, and that was you, God, that made that line. It, this is what it's all about right now, um, especially being in the midst of mayhem last night. I've got to get to it. So, Sweet 16 started this off this week, Thursday, and the games went as follows. Um, UConn blows out Arkansas 88-65. This is all on Thursday. I'm going to try to do as best as I can quickly. And then um, Gonzaga wins their game up against UCLA in another thriller. <laughs> like, these two have history. The West Coast is trying to bring that basketball back seventy nine to seventy six and then on the other side of the spectrum in the three sixteen the force the elite eight Kansas State won their matchup ninety eight to ninety three up against Michigan State and Florida Atlantic, take care of business up against Tennessee. This is what I call Cinderella and the glass slipper is still on and it's probably like it's like ten fifteen they dancing like crazy right so that's that's Thursday, right, which the games that I'm going over next set up for today's matchups as well, so this is Friday. And the Friday matchups went as follows. Bear with me because I am having a hiccup. Okay, so San Diego State, like I said, if you're a number one overall, you will get your head knocked off. San Diego State with the upset of this portion of the bracket. There's been a ton of upsets. They beat Alabama, the number one overall, 71-64. to 64. Uh, Miami wins their matchup against Houston, knocking off another number one, 89-75 and blowing them out, stopping their dreams of winning that or playing that Final Four in Houston. Texas wins their matchup up against Xavier, 83-71, to and Creighton wins their matchup up against Princeton, 86-75. to The Big East had a potential to have at least four teams forcing their way to the Elite Eight, but Xavier fell short up against Texas. Now, I don't know where people were last night, but I know, as you know, as the song goes <laughs> when we start the show off, they say Connecticut, right? <laughs> so... <laughs> Boy, was I in, I I know probably, well, I know Mike knows him, but this is the city that he's from. He's from the city that I'm from, Stanford, Connecticut. I'm in a bar called Bobby Valentine's, and Bobby Valentine's, that's his bar, and his sport bar is pandemonium. It's two floors, it's huge screen TVs, like if you're in a sport book, basically, it is a sport book, sport bar. He has like 200-inch screens all over the place. It's, It's a sport person paradise, right? So, I'm watching the game with a lot of my friends that uh we, we decided to get together, my senior year football team. They all wanted to get together. So we got the bar, we got the bar flooded, right? So the first game going down and did not disappoint us. We up here watching the Kansas state Florida Atlantic game go on and it's back and forth, back and forth. You don't know who's going to pull it off, but Kansas state is making an effort to push the envelope to get this historical run. Cause they kind of have a Cinderella slipper on too. Cause nobody expected Kansas state to make it this far. And, uh, they're playing Florida Atlantic and they end up falling short in this situation. But however, Florida Atlantic pulled this one off 79 to 76, uh, in which that kid, uh, golden, the big man, he's, he's got to be seven something. I don't even know if he's a solid seven feet, but he had 14 points, 13 rebounds. And, um, A lot of kids were trying to flop around him to try and get him out of the game or get him to build up fouls. He knew what was going on. After a while, he wasn't picking up those fouls and started just dunking on these kids and and doing what he needed to do. But this was incredible energy around this game and to not disappoint anybody. Marquise uh, Noel, the point guard uh, for Kansas State out of New York City, this kid is incredible. He had 30 points and 12 assists and five steals. He was doing it all, shooting shots, Steph curry range, damn near half court, and hitting them. And he did it a couple times. It wasn't like he did two of them. He was making sure he kept his team in the game. And I got to tip my hat to this guy. I think he set himself up for the future to say the most. Now, it's like the main event, especially with – I'm in Stanford, and a block from Bobby Valentine's Sports Bar is the UConn-Stanford Uh, dormitories, like because the branch of UConn here within my city. And this place filled up to the capacity. I'm talking about every seat booked, everybody standing around, everybody wearing red, white, and blue. (laughs) And I'm not even a UConn fan, but I I support my state, but I don't like UConn at all. But the energy in this building was so electric, you could not not like what was going on. Not at all. And a lot of these kids, they go up to the games up there in stores, so they know all the chance. So every time they score the free throw or doing their thing, they did their chance, the energy was so electric like they were there. And for UConn to blow out, and I mean blow them out, because I didn't look like they were in the Elite Eight team at all. And I'm a big Mark Few fan. Mark Few, <laughs> I tip my hat to you, even though you started out the season bad with, you know, the stuff that you had going on outside of the lines, outside of the gymnasium, so on and so forth, but still had this team strong enough to make it to another Elite Eight and having your Cinderella story go crazy, especially with the, the buzzer beater, well, not really the buzzer beater, but the shot that Strother hit from half court and, and set up UCLA in that damaging loss. Um, you, I thought that they would definitely be lined up to give us a thriller up against UConn, and um, Connecticut was not playing around at all. And uh, when this game big, 82-54, 28-point win. At one point, if Connecticut wanted to, they could have won this game by forty and it would have been no brainer at all. I I think they took their foot off the gas on purpose just to get the clock to drip. Uh Gonzaga couldn't hit a shot. They couldn't defend. Everybody on UConn that was shooting threes, they were shooting threes with confidence. UConn is now the favorite in Vegas to win it all. Of course things can happen. Of course they could run into a team this upcoming Saturday and lose the game. But the way that they are playing right now, all five positions are scoring the ball. They are rebounding and playing defense. This is tough. Uh, Mike, your thoughts on the play from at least Thursday till now, what team has caught your eyes? What team would you like to speak about?
0: So I'm going to try to kind of go around. Uh, You mentioned the Gonzaga, uh, UCLA thriller. Regular season, Rick Barnes shows you again. Like they had the uh, regular season, Rick man. They had the big win over Duke, but once again, in a bracket that was kind of set up for them, you know they weren't able to take advantage. I spoke highly of the, I spoke highly of the SEC a week ago, and we could go all three of them. Uh, went out in this round of sixteen, you know, uh, Brandon Miller was three for nineteen in this game and one of ten from three point range and it was like eight of seventy or something crazy. Uh, in the postseason I mean he looked like a freshman and like maybe everything kind of started to get to him a little bit and you know Alabama struggled some on offense the refs even kind of tried to give him the game with a questionable technical foul call and this the refs tried to intervene but then through the rest of the game it's like Alabama with these blue chip guys they're around trying to uh, bicker with the refs and get things handed to them whereas San Diego State just kind of kept their head down and kept playing. Uh, shout out to Jerome Tang from uh, Kansas State. Uh, my coach doing well. Listen, they uh, they were picked to finish last in the Big 12. They ended up as a three seed, played well. And then the class that he showed even right after that game, going over and talking to the Florida Atlantic team, um, and encouraging them moving forward, like uh that's nice to see uh, I enjoy seeing that uh to your point uh Connecticut looks like the best team in this tournament right now they they took advantage of the fact that Arkansas didn't have much height and be able to deal with their size, and they blew them out, and then they just uh they just dispatched uh Gonzaga yesterday uh, saw that that is the largest margin of victory ever in an Elite Eight basketball game um, on the men's side. So uh, kudos to UConn, and I think basketball is better when UConn and some teams in the Big East are really uh, still in contention. And then the other thing that I wanted to for sure hit on, and you mentioned this earlier, was parity. This is the first time going into the Elite Eight that there were no number one seeds left at all. Like, they're all gone. Um, And then uh, speaking to this parity, we have had nine times total where uh, a number nine seed or higher has made it to the final four. Well, six of them have happened since 2013, so that means two-thirds of those occasions have been in the last 10 years. Uh, So that speaks to this parity being a consistent thing. You know, you and I talked about it a few weeks ago you with know, all those buzzer beaters, nobody's safe. Uh, you know, we're seeing once again that that parody uh that is college basketball and seeing this. So, you know, just looking around it's uh it's it's interesting to see sort of uh how things have fallen, Kelvin Sampson and, and Houston Uh, we're looking pretty good, but got knocked off too. We have no one number one. I'm sorry. One number two seed, uh, left in this thing, but we definitely have a lot of, uh, new blood that's going to be at the final four. And I think that's, uh, I I think that's a good thing for the sport of college basketball. And the last thing that, that I would point to is you got your blue chip recruits and you got all these different guys. And, but there is something to be said at the end of the day basketball is still a team sport. And when you got a team that hustles, you know, Alabama ran into some grown men in San Diego State. These guys hustled, they played hard, and while they were barking at rest, like I said, they were these guys are just putting their head down and going to work. But the, a lot of the reason why I think you're seeing this parity and the success of some of these major-type teams is because these are guys that all know their system and they all buy in. You got fourth- and fifth-year guys that communicate and work well together, and you're you're seeing that product on the court.
2: Well, since you ran into that one, we are going to get this thing started to close out this show. So the Elite Eight rolls on. Only two can remain to fill those last little seats and get their tickets for the Final Four. The first game that takes place at 2.20 p.m., and this is taking place in Louisville, Kentucky, Creighton is playing San Diego state, the same team that you're talking about. Who do you like in this matchup and why?
0: This is a game that I keep going back and forth on. Uh, Creighton won the first round matchup last year by, uh, by three, I, you know, both of these teams are, are solid. And this is a classic offense versus defense game. Uh, if they keep them under 75 points, I think San Diego state wins. Um, I don't know if San Diego State can handle Creighton inside, uh, but I was impressed with the way that they were able able to overcome adversity. So I'm going to pick San Diego State, but I'm definitely back and forth on this game, and I think the score is going to tell you a lot. If they go over 75, Creighton wins. uh, But I'm going to pick San Diego State.
2: The over-under is at 134.5, so you're basically telling me this is a clean over. I like that. However... I just told you I'm in the state of Connecticut. I am a Big East guy. I want Creighton, interesting reason why I want to see Creighton, because everything that Coach McDermott has gone through, for him, they still have this team involved to where they are right now. I don't think he's ever gotten this far. I don't think Creighton has ever been in a Final Four. So if he could push the envelope and win this for the past couple of seasons that he's going through so much melee and having to deal with the media and things that he set himself self-inflicted, um, the second chance is being given to him and this is a great five six matchup. The the spread is Creighton is favored by two and a half. Um I'm going with Creighton. I think Creighton wins this game, but San Diego State has definitely done a great job to get here and I would not be upset if they pulled it off, especially with them having a thirty plus win or well, thirty win season and only six losses. They're not used to losing, similar to what Florida Atlantic has going on right now, still going dancing in that dog on glass slipper. All, both of these teams are not their glass but Creighton and San Diego State, I don't think anybody had these two sitting in the Elite Eight unless they were their parents. Um, and to round out the situation for the matchups for today is Miami versus Texas. And back in the day, this was a football matchup where they Texas won't even allow Miami to play them no more because it was, that's where we got the nickname being called Convicts. This is this is my hurricane football team. I don't follow them basketball, even though, I, I mean, I watch them. I watch them. They used to be biggies, so on and so forth. But Texas is favored by three-and-a-half. This takes place in Kansas City, Missouri. Mike, who do you like in this game? Texas, the last number two seed, like you mentioned, or Miami? Are they dancing in the streets
0: with this glass slipper as well? You know, this is interesting because Creighton is right down the road from me about an hour and a half away, Uh, and Kansas City is only about two-and-a-half hours away south of me. So uh, not too far. You know, the three-headed monster – Uh, and the backcourt for Miami has really been going strong. Isaiah Wong, who struggled early, really had uh, a very good game in the the round of 16. Uh, It's tough to pick against Miami. Texas has been looking strong, though, and I kind of want to see Rodney Terry get that full-time job um, at Texas. And, listen, can you imagine, not that I would pick them to win because I don't, I don't know that anybody's touching UConn right now, but Texas being able to go to a Final Four uh, in their home state. Houston's not that far from Austin. Um, so being able to go to a Final Four in their home state, that, that would be some madness going on, especially when Houston really hoped to be there as a the number one seed. So I'm going to say that we're going to at least have one top seed um, in this thing. Uh, Texas never, you know, need, to your point, neither one of those two teams in Kansas State or Creighton and nor Miami or Texas have been um, at this at this spot. Texas has been to the Elite Eight a couple times. They, the last time they went there, they lost to LSU. But I'm going to say that they, uh, they climbed the mountain and get over the hump, and Texas beats Miami today. Wow,
2: this makes it really tough for me because, Texas has had to survive so much of this stuff with the coach losing his position and his team still being strong while the coach, you know, basically got, you know, released or told to relieve, he was being relieved of his duties. And they still were strong throughout the season to be at this point in time as an Elite Eight. Um, the Miami, you know, my heart is involved, at least on the football side of things. And the crazy part about it is watching them all these years, and I am a fan of Coach Laranaga. So, like, watching if Jim could pull this off would be excellent for him to bring that back down to Miami and have that mystique in that area, I'm gonna go with the Hurricanes just because I'm looking at paraphernalia in my house with Hurricanes shirts, jerseys, and hats. It's like it's in here, so it's like I can't sit up here and act like I don't love that university one way or another. Even though Texas has done a good job, especially with the uh, the second chance given situation toward at least the players, the coaching situation is another thing. But these players have actually survived the storm. And it would be fitting for them to get to Texas, well, of Houston at that, and have the definite, you know, leg up with all of the fans coming there to support them because they wouldn't even have to travel much. But I, I think Miami gets this done today and uh, moves on and be stamps
0: their tickets for the Final Four. And out of all okay. these coaches, Lon has been there before, right, because he was the, the head coach of George Mason when they made the Final Four. So he's at least the one guy... That has have, have had experience in this environment before, so I can definitely see why you would go with them.
2: Yeah, the coach. It, it, Connecticut's won it several times too, so that's another thing. So, but it, it's not it, it's Danny Hurley. So Danny Hurley wouldn't get it as a coach, but the university has definitely been to a Final Four six times and they won it four. So it's interesting. It's yeah, interesting in
0: today's games. The, the, the right, one, right, right. The, the, the only one that's been there.
2: Gotcha. Okay, so is there anything else that you'd like to put out there before we start to shut the doors here at the bunch?
0: No, nah, man, just a couple of things. Uh, the women's sides hit the Elite Eight. LSU has a chance. They're playing Miami. Once again, Miami, the U, rising up on both uh, both men's and women's basketball, On the uh, have, are both playing for a burst in the Final Four today. LSU women playing Miami on that side uh, to try to make it. Uh, South Carolina took care of business. UConn dropping to losing their game to Ohio State the other night. But women's tournament's in full effect. You got two games today and two tomorrow to determine the final four. And, T.P., we are four days away, my brother, from opening day in Major League Baseball as well. So, uh, lots going on in the world of sports.
2: That's the least bit, and we're going (laughs) to – this this month of March is going out with a complete bang. No matter who wins the two games today or what we set up in all these other sports, I'm telling you, this month of March has probably been one of the best marches in sports ever, especially for the bracket. You give me another bracket, whatever you're picking, that you've seen this much success from underdog teams. Underdog teams that wasn't supposed to make it this far, you show me. We had a 16 takeout of one, and, and that one was the one I had winning the tournament. Purdue got knocked out first round. Did not think that, and that that already set it off on a bad note. One of one of my coworkers is a Virginia fan. Virginia got knocked off early to Furman, and Furman was for real. And looking at Florida Atlantic, this this is an incredible march. It's an incredible basketball, incredible time for sports, and we're we're in the middle of it. We're in the middle of it, loving every last bit of it. At least me being at the edge of my seat. But that UConn game yesterday. It had me in the driver's seat so bad, it was just like, just sit there and just watch how good UConn was playing ball. I definitely got to give Danny Hurley his credit. I tip my hat for him having those guys ready. All of the shooters were taking shots with confidence. They rebounded and played strong, defense in the paint. Uh, They even bullied Drew Timmy. Drew Timmy was the guy that everybody was watching this year. Drew Timmy is on his way out going to the league and seeing how far he can go. They shut him down from a 36-point effort to having under – I want to say under 15 points. He had 11 points at the free throw line. He was shooting free throws. So I think he might have finished with like 14, maybe 15. But still, he did a good job up against a fifth-year senior. So tip my hat to the state that I'm in. Okay, so, Mike, I need a plug, closeout, shoutout, anything that you'd like to promote before we get up out of the kitchen today.
0: And don't forget Co. Use promo code Chef to check out. Who still rooms in the barbershop on Clubhouse? Uh, come by there, check out what we're doing, sportscitychefs.com. Check out the blog, the websites, everything that we're doing there. And remember, you can also play us on your smart speakers. Just tell it to play Sports City Chefs. It'll tell you the number of episodes. So if you want to hear the previous show, you can just ask for that specific number. So uh, check out what we're doing. We're talking about a front office show on Tuesday night, uh, covering some of the latest stuff going on in the NFL. Have the cars cook out on Wednesdays. Uh, Chandler and I doing doing... Uh, round table gumbo on Thursday nights. Uh this one'll be exciting because we will have had a lot of opening day behind us and some other things going on and we'll be able to break down uh even thoughts on the final fours on both sides coming up and uh more stuff on the NBA so check out Chandler now on uh Thursday night serious stop by we gotta get T P back in uh in there, serve him some spicy gumbo on uh on Thursday nights and uh and have him dish with us too. So uh that I've been holding that down, but the mothership show on Sunday mornings, the time of Sunday morning brunch, it's always a pleasure and a privilege to be alongside you, my brother. And for you, I wouldn't be here, man. So much love and appreciation for that. And man, who that? Go Tigers! And uh, I'm looking forward to the start of uh, baseball as well. And once again, man, as we say in Louisiana, laissez les bontes rouler. Peace, TP.
2: That is for sure. And, oh, yeah, I got to, like, spice the rest of the month of March. Y'all know me and Sports City. I really don't like talking about teams that I support, so on and so forth, where I, my love is to war. But the Detroit Lions are not playing around. I think they are trying to compete for something big. I don't want to put karma involved in front of me because I know it'll hurt. But what they are up to right now with the name that they just brought in here in the past two weeks. They are up to something incredible, and the draft is only a few weeks away. Poor City, already know how this go down. On that note, tell a friend that. This is the Chefs again. And if they don't know, now they know.
1: Sports City, Sports City, Chefs, Chefs, Sports City, Sports City, Chefs, Chefs, Sports City, Sports City, 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 Chefs. Sports City, Sports City, Kaboom, Sports City Chefs is in the room, cooking up hot topics to put up on the spoon, they well in tune, blown like a flower in June, Superman vs. MF Doom, the clouds loom, to so tell a friend it's the Sports City Chefs again, pay attention, tune in, we on the set again, Sports City, the kid ah <gasps> uh.